I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The 80s Rewind Show Podcast. It's time to bring you yet another amazing episode. And now... Welcome your host, Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, it's the Rewind Show with me, Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. Welcome along to today's show, and I'm so glad you're joining me on this one. I've got a fantastic show lined up for you. Uh, before I start, I've got to say a massive hello to all my friends in America, Taiwan and Japan. Oh, yeah, see, I can check where you're listening from. I can check. So, hello to you guys. Welcome along to the show. I'm so glad you've joined us. Don't forget, I've got a website now. I've got my finger out and I've got my website, and here's the address. www.the80spod.com Right, one more for those that missed it. www.the80spod.com Now, if you go on there, I've got all the interviews, all the previous interviews, uh, and there's a bit on there about myself and some links on there, and I've got some exclusive stuff just for the website that's on there as well. So if you go along and find out, it's all on there. Don't forget, you can contact me through the website. If not, you can email me direct at the80srewindshow at gmail.com I'm going to do it again now. God, it's getting like bingo. The80srewindshow at gmail.com So don't forget, if you want to contact me, you can get me through there. Right, anyway, that's the office stuff out of the way. Let's talk about today's show. I've got Ivan for you from Men Without Hats. Now, they did the safety dance in England. That was their big track for us. Now, you remember Ivan in the video. He's the guy with a big, long, floppy hair that's dancing around singing the main vocal. Um, my friend Jane's going to tell me off this, but he's a lovely man. <laughs> I, get say, I get told you say that every episode. You say someone's a lovely person. I'm not lying. It's because he is a lovely, lovely person. Uh, we had a great chat. We found out a bit about the history of the band, where the name came from. We found out a bit more about the safety dance, and we spoke about the new Men Without Hats album that's just been released. Check it out on Spotify. It's more 80s than 80s, but I'll go into that in the interview. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Let's get to it. What sort of music in that house was there growing up? Was there a lot of music in your house? Yeah, I'm growing up. My mother was a voice professor at McGill University for 25 years. And so we grew up every, we had a lot of classical music. I was a classically trained pianist along with my, my brother Colin was also a pianist. And my brother uh, Stefan was a viol- studied violin. And so every day we had like, we had two pianos in the house. And so there was two of us practicing piano and one guy practicing violin and usually a beagle our beagle was howling because he couldn't couldn't uh take the violin my mother was probably vacuuming my dad was probably listening to tv so it's okay yeah there was a lot of music there was a lot of music there was classical on the radio every morning we we, we sang in the in the church choir i sang in the junior choir my mother was the lead soloist at in the in the choir at the big church downtown montreal so we were, we were surrounded with music. Was it mainly um, classical music at the time rather than con- contemporary pop music? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of that. And the Beatles kind of happened at the same time while I was growing up. So, you know, the Beatles kind of happened when I was, you know, six, seven, eight. That's when it started. So it was a mixture of classical music and, and the Beatles. It's amazing how many people would say the Beatles when I, when I talk to them about the early influences. I mean, they just influenced everybody, didn't they? They're crazy. It was kind of the only game in town. So is it right in the... In the 70s, you studied law for a little while. You didn't go straight into music. Is that right? You did law? 
I did a lot. I studied a lot at the University of Nice in the south of France. And, uh, but I was, I was mostly following a girlfriend. So <laughs> so not much studied. And, uh, <laughs> and you was into film as well. Is that right? You studied film for a while as well. Well, that's when after, after, after my law studies, I, I came back to Montreal and I uh, enrolled in the film and communication program at McGill university, which was, it was nascent. It was its first year. I, I was one of the, I was, you know, in the first class of the film and communications program. And my concentration was electronic journalism. And so this is like, you know, this is, the, it was a long time ago. So that was, uh, it, it was an interesting, it was, it was really, really interesting. It was studying the media. And, and that's where I met the, the, the founding members of Men Without Hats was on the, uh, on the school benches, on the university benches. And it's just, just sitting around. So was music still sort of important to you at this point when you're studying law and film, or was it one of those things where it was just, you know, you thought I'll do this later. Was it that kind of deal? Well, I wasn't really planning on going into music. I was planning on being, uh, going into uh, graphic design. Actually, I was, I'm, I, I used to draw quite a bit. Music was just something we had to do at home. It was, it was like, like I said, I was studying piano and it was just, it was like taking out the garbage, you know, it was another chore. And uh, I, when I was in law school, I, it's, I used to go and sort of crate digging at the uh, Galerie Lafayette at the big uh, supermarkets and go, go dig through their crates of records. And I stumbled across this record by this band called the Sex Pistols. And I was, I was a big Genesis fan, big Pink Floyd, a Genesis fan. And I was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Fans should not be allowed to call themselves that. This is this is insulting to the whole to the whole industry. And I was really upset, kind of thing. But you know, I changed. I, I changed quite fast. I came back to Montreal, got into the film and communications program, started hanging out with film students, and that was like the late seventies. It was a whole kind of upheaval. You know, not just in music. It was art, video. You know, new new technology was coming in. There was video. There was it, clothing, the hairdos, you know, everything, you know, it was a, it was a sort of a, a new renaissance in popular culture. And uh, so it was, it, was a, it was a great place to be. That's wonderful. And you formed a punk band first, is that right? You became a punk band before you became an electro band. Yeah. And, yeah. and was, was it mainly the English influences that did that for you, that made you pick up punk we were more into like experimental it was it was it, we were doing like cramps covers and uh contortions and uh i was listening to a lot of fred frith like a lot of, a lot of so a lot of, like a henry cow like prepared guitar like putting alligator clips on our guitar strings and stuff like playing with playing with big pieces of metal as a pick and and uh so it was a lot of just sound exploration and uh, and then at one point I made the conscious decision that I wanted to reach more people. I wanted to become, I wanted to get more commercial. I wanted, you know, concrete music is fine, but it's a very limited audience. Was your parents happy with the move to, you made to punk? Were they happy with that? Were they, did they understand it? The oh, my, my parents were happy. We were, my parents have been supportive of me. Like just whatever I do, they, they support me. They're just happy when I'm happy. And uh, I remember our first show, we played our first first show as a, as a punk band and we played a place in Montreal, which was the punk the local punk hangout. And my, my parents were all excited, you know, they, can we come and see you? And I, we said, no, no, no. It was my two brothers, myself and another and a fellow on drums. 
I said, no, it's, I'd, I'd rather you didn't because it's this new kind of music. It's punk music and it could get violent. They, they, they slam dance. They, they, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty raucous. So I'd rather you not come, you know, it's, 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 it's a new thing. And so they were like, okay. And so at the show, I'm halfway through my set and I'm singing and singing. And I look towards the back of the room towards the exit. And there I see two little heads sticking out behind the door. And it's my parents that snuck down to the show without telling us and they couldn't stay away. So, and they, they loved it. They've been, they've been, they followed us forever. My, my mother was my, she was my biggest Facebook, uh, Facebook troll. I mean, that's great. I mean, I love the fact, you know, you got these two parents turn up with a room full of people spitting and jumping. That's <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's just marvelous. My dad was, my dad was an amateur musician. My dad played, grew up in uh, like rural Manitoba, which is the prairies. And uh, he played in a band with his dad. His dad was a sax player. My dad played accordion and they had a band where they'd play barn dances on the weekends. And they'd also, they would also back up famous musicians that would come through town too. So my dad had a chance to play with some pretty wild guys. He played with Hans, Hank Snow and Hank Williams. And he played with a, like a bunch of legends and they come just, these guys would come through town by themselves and play with whatever band they could pick up and move on to the next town after that. So when did the, um, obviously you've gone from punk to sort of an electro band. When did the electro stuff start coming in for you? When did you think, you know, this is for me? Well, it was, it was, you know, really early eighties. We, we, um, I was, uh, I was also front and center for the disco movement. And, uh, so I've always said that from, for me anyways, new wave music was a combination of prog rock like all the Genesis, Pink Floyd bands I was listening to, and disco. It was pro- it was keyboard synthesizer music with a with with a dance beat, and um, so that's what I brought to the table. I was I was ready to go. I was like, like I say, a classically trained pianist. I was synthesizers were these you know new toys just on the market. There was there wasn't too many you know synths out there, so so it was it was pretty easy to navigate. Was it expensive to do as well at the time? To, I mean, the synthesizers were just a fortune, weren't they? Was it an easy band to set up? Yeah, I, we got, I got financial backing. That was the one, that's one of, one of the things. My parents also, also sent me to a private boys' school where I met a lot of uh, uh, wealthy private boys. So I actually hit up one of, one of my schoolmates' dad for, for an investment, and he, he was one of the big, the, you know, one of our big investments. It was, it was a quite an investment at the beginning. It kind of set us apart at the beginning. And the other thing that set us apart was the fact that we had no drummer that we used rhythm boxes. We'd get, you know, we'd come to do shows and we'd get laughed at until we turned the thing on and everybody kind of got it, you know? And, uh, but it was good. It was cool. It got us a lot of opening acts, you know, our manager would sell us as the band that can set up in front of anybody, you know? And so it's like, it's fun. It sounds like you were like super tramp. They got back in before they started as well. It's amazing that someone would put faith in a, a little tiny electro band like that. Or yeah. Band. Yeah. No, there, there was another, he was, his son was, was, you know, co-founder of the band with me. So I mean, there's another case of a parent who just backed his son, you know, hundred percent. We were lucky. We both had parents who sort of believed in us, just believed in us, didn't really, didn't want any more information. Were you under the name Men Without Hats at the time, or did you have a different name? We started off. We were called Wave Twenty One, and then and then we uh, then I joined a band called Heaven Seventeen, and uh, which was the, not the English one, obviously. And then from there, I I I, uh, 
I already had the name Men Without Hats. I sort of, we sort of had the, like before the Heaven 17th, we were in the, the punk thing was called Heaven, was called Men Without Hats too. So, so yeah, Men Without Hats was. Where did the genesis of the name come from? The origin is, is just being Canucks, you know, being Canadian and, uh, and being tough guys and not wearing toques in the freezing cold winters. You started working on your first EP and you had a few lineup changes building up to that. Did you, was there a chance where you thought, you know, is the band going to stay together long enough to make the EP? Cause it seemed like you had a few members come and go at the time. Could be, I think I could be in the Guinness world book of records for band members. <laughs> it was always me. I'm, I, I do a hundred percent of the songwriting, singing, programming, all the keyboards. It's, and I had two brothers, you know, so it was there, they were uh, either one of them was, or both of them was in the band at one point, you know, it was just whoever was around kind of thing, you know, but like I say, so I've, I've always been writing all this stuff. It's never been a co-record situation or. How did you write? Was it mainly piano? Was it guitar? Was it lyrics first and the music after or? It's mostly piano, piano and uh, sitting down, coming up with a, with a chord progression, then melodies and then grunting process of building lyrics and. <laughs> It's just nice the way it goes. So your first uh, EP comes out. How did it do? Did it do well? Was it sort of a slow burner? Was it? Did it take off for you? Um, well, we got it. Got us a you know we put out we put out a, our own ten inch I guess yeah ten inch ten inch, and then we got picked up by Stiff Records. Started a new label in America called Stiff America, and decided to pick us up and and distribute the record in the states. So we were stoked. I mean, we had like they put it on a twelve inch. We had a you know, a 10 inch and a 12 inch. And wow, we were like, our name was getting in the paper and stuff. We were like, we were totally stoked. We were happy. Stiff picking up is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, you know, we were like on the same label as Elvis Costello. Like, I mean, you know, wow. You know, we were like, no, we were, we, we, I got into this thing because I was a fan, you know? So, so, I mean, and I was just, you know, a couple of years younger than all those guys. So like bands like the Human League were huge influences on me. Gary Newman was a huge influence on me. And so now when I go out and I'm, I'm playing with these guys, like we're, you know, sharing stages with them and it's, it's awesome. It's just like, uh, it's great. That's amazing. So 82, the Rhythm of Youth album comes out, which is a great album. If people are into that, like, you know, new wave stuff, it's brilliant. I, I mean, if you want to talk about um, hearing your influence, I think is it, I've got the message, I think is the song that you can really hear the influences coming in. I love that track. I, I sort of play it and repeat. It's got because it's kind of got that human league uh, two girl vocal going on in the background as yeah. well, isn't it? And uh, is it French you speak in that one as well? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of French going on there. I was kind of naively thinking that you know French is so cool, like everybody's going to get it, you know. And it's like... <laughs> I mean, I just I love I love that track. I mean, obviously, Safety Dance is on, on the album, but I think if people want to hear your influences, that is the track to go to. That really lays out. Uh, well, that was our first single we released in, off the record in Canada. That was that was the single before we got a deal, before Safety Dance broke, before everything happened. We released. I got the message. It was an obvious choice for me, you know. And then, and that's one of the things that you know happens. Like when they did release Safety Dance in the states as the first single, they picked. Another song that we were going to go do, I, we, were, we were heading to go do the I Got the Message video for, for. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The follow-up single to Safety Dance. And on the way to the video, like on the plane, while I was on the plane flying over, they changed the single. They decided to change the single. And they just said, well, just, you know, shoot the, I said, well, we, we, we've sort of been working on the video for this other song for like, you know, two months. It doesn't really matter. Just stick the other song on top of it. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it was a much harder song. It was just, I like, you know, and so that I, I don't know. I think that kind of, they kind of blew it. You know, there's like, I got the message was the, the obvious choice. And like I say, we, you know, we released it first. It's a great, great, great song. So obviously Safety Dances on the album, that's for England. That's the one that you're really known for in here. How did the, the genesis of that song come about? I know you spoke about it a million times, but for people that don't know. Yeah, well, this is a true story. I was, uh, you know, it was the dying days of disco, you know, the end of the seventies. And, uh, in the discotheques, every now and then, the DJ would sneak in Blondie's Heart of Glass or Rock Lobster by the B-52s. And we would just go crazy. Hey, wow, new wave. And we'd get up and we'd start pogoing, just, just jumping up and down, bouncing off each other. The precursor to the, to the mosh pit and to slam dancing. And the bouncers and the people dancing around us had no idea what was going on, thought we were fighting. So we, would get, we started getting kicked out every time a new wave song would you playing and I, I literally went home and wrote a wrote a song about it it's just too much i was getting tired of getting bounced and oh, we won in the end so it's okay yeah i mean the album version um to the single is is different so was that a decision you made or was that a record company decision to make it that was a record company decision it was one of those things they said you know you guys got to do a 12 inch what's that oh you just take the song you stretch it out a bit you know i said okay and uh i was trying to emulate uh Grandmaster Flash. I said, you know, they're talking, they do all these talking stuff. You know, we got to do some talking on our We're going to stretch it out. Let's do some talking stuff. And uh, so that's it the spelling and the talking. And, and the, I mean, the video is really unusual for that song. It is. It is. I think that's one of the things that gives it the, its lasting power because everybody was expecting some spiked haired guy with pointy shoes and zippers all over his clothes. And they got like some kind of. Peter Panish, Robin Hood, kind of, who knows what it is, you know? You know, it's it's kind of timeless. You know, you watch that video now, I mean, you watch a lot of other videos, you kind of laugh and chuckle and look at their hair, look at, the, you know? And this one, you can't really do that because it's like, wow, this is like, you know, could have been shot yesterday. It's 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 timeless. It's it's like a Western, you know? The, the album came out after that one as well. And the, the first track was called No Dance, isn't it? Yeah, No uh, Dance. Folk of the 80s Part 3. Was that a backlash to the, the previous single or was that just, you know, something you was working on or? Oh, no, that was a backlash. That was an answer to, to what was going on. I was, I was really sort of, um, I guess, I, you know, you are, it, it's, it's youth. I mean, it's, 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 you know, that's, you're sort of a lot, very engaged. I was very engaged when I was, when I'm back then in the 80s. To me, the pop 
top 40 or whatever it was, it was a huge political platform as far as I was concerned, you know? And so we had to use our time wisely. We had to, you know, say things that, that made sense and sort of, you know, didn't sort of do harm to anybody, but it is, you know, like I, like I tell people a lot of times, it's like being in a band sometimes it's like being on a sports team. It's like being on a hockey team, you know, it's like, there's only so many spots on that top 40, you know, there's, there's, and there's a lot more bands and a lot more hockey teams than there are like, than places on the top 10, you know, there's a lot more than top 10 bands in the world. So, so it's just, it's just always this sort of thing about camaraderie and in the music business and everybody's sort of palsy, palsy, palsy. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I like him as long as his single isn't higher on the charts than mine, you know, it's like, (laughs) so it's, um, it's just weird. It was, you know, it was, was, but like I say, it was fun times. It was all, it was all really, really a lot of fun. It was a good time. Great time. I mean, I, I, how I'm turning 65 this year, but I feel like my timeline has captured, um, a really great chunk of the, of music history, you know, like when I was born, like Elvis was on the radio, you know, and then the Beatles came right after that. And then this, you know, this, the, the end of the sixties, the summer of love, and then the seventies with all the heavy metal and, and hard rock, you know, creations and then disco and then punk new wave and then on and on. I'm just like, I got it all, you know, the only thing I missed was like, Dixieland jazz you know it's like it's fair to say as well like your influences followed the music as well like in 91 you released an album um and the the record company banned it because it was guitar based wasn't it is that right because you were in, influenced by Nirvana at the time so uh you're talking about the uh, sideways album that we made yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah we made that record I was I was hanging out with a lot of friends in Montreal who were into like Nirvana and a lot of a lot of grunge fan the grunge scene was just starting off and I was hanging out and jamming with a lot of you know musician young musicians and i had a record left on my contract with the label and i told them i said listen just give me half of what you know what the the budget says on the album and let me do exactly what i want and they they went for it anytime a record label can save that much money they'll they'll definitely go shoot the artistic values out the window and um so they let us do what we wanted and when they heard it they just like can't you know we don't know what to do with this and we were trying to tell them, well, you know, little birdie told me that this is kind of music. This is the kind of music people are going to be listening to big time for the next 10 years. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. Well, I don't know. We can't, we don't know what to do with it. I'm sorry, but whatever. It was like that, that, that was a fun record to make. Like not, all, not all records are fun to make and you can usually hear it, but the, this one was a lot of fun to make. We had a great time. We had a great tour too. We went on across North America with it and it was, it was awesome. Has it been released? I couldn't seem to find it when I was looking for it. Has it ever been released in, in the UK? It was, it was It was. released in North America. I don't know if it was released, if it was ever released uh, in, in the UK or Europe or anything. Like I said, it was a fun record to make. We had a, we had a great time making it. So you've, you've just recently released a new album again, uh, Men Without Hats we have. Part 2, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, again which Part I, 2. Which I love. I think that's an amazing title. And um, I've been playing it like for the week and i just think it's it's a strange album because it sounds more 80s than the 80s if that makes any sense it's <laughs> <laughs> i know you're, you're a man of that period who released songs in that period but it sounds really 80s was it an easier album to make because you can get more synthesizers and stuff and emulators now than you couldn't back in the day was it 
it just it just seems more eighties. I guess maybe because I'm older. I mean, it's I guess it's an easy. You know, the things are coming coming easier to me now. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel anymore. We weren't. You know, we were since we made a record in 2012 where we really consciously tried to like go back and 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 make it sound like it did back then. And this was kind of a con- con- continuation of that too. We just we didn't try to uh, capitalize on any trends or anything. There's no auto tune. There's no there's no rap on this one. And uh, so it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a good cross section of songs too, because it's a, it's an album that came that kind of morphed along the way as we were making it. And uh, the songs are, there are some new song, brand new songs that we wrote in the studio while we were doing it. There's some songs that I've wrote over the last 10 years. We've been on the road touring all over the world and, I wrote a whole bunch of songs in the back of the bus and just in you know, hotel rooms and stuff like that. And then we went back in the vault and took some, got some, we found some stuff. We found some demos, a couple of songs that two or three songs that, that were just there and just waiting to be reworked a bit. And so it's, it's a big, you know, it's kind of like almost a 30 or 40 year span of songwriting too. So it's, uh, it, it was fun. It was a fun, it was a, there was another fun project. We, we, we did it the old school way. We just, we rented a house in the middle of nowhere and filled it full of gear and lived there and just got up in the morning and made music until we were too tired to make any more music and went to bed and woke up the next day, did the same thing for like nine months, 10 months, you know, and, and that was just the way they used to make records. And, and, uh, we, uh, we had fun to, we had just had a great time doing it. We're my brother Colin, myself, and Show Murray, our guitar player, just the three of us, and a family of uh, peacocks, and uh, that was it. You know, it sounds amazing. Is All Into Stars was that one of the original ones or one of the newer ones? Because that's a fantastic song. That was that was that was written on the road. That was written in the back of a tour bus. That was that that song is a, it's oh, between five and ten years old. That's that. I mean. If people are listening to the podcast and you listen to the album on Spotify straight afterwards, go straight to that track. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, In the World as well, that's another great one as well. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I mean, you would never know it's like not made in the 80s. That's the strange thing about the album. It's It sounds like you've just dug it up out of, you know, out of the ground and gone. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Thank you. That's, you know, kind of what we're we're known known for. So, so it, somebody's got to do it. You know, it's like uh, somebody's got to keep the the torch burning. And what's next for you? Are you out on tour? Are you doing a new album or? We're going both. We have, we have, uh, we're, we're starting, we have shows. We're getting back on the road very shortly. And we have uh, another record coming out. We don't know if we're going to call it part, again, part three or what, but we have, we recorded a lot more songs than we needed. So we have, we have another album basically ready to go almost. And, and that's it. We're sort of, we're in a role. We want to make, it's been 10 years since our last one. The last one was 2012. So, we're going to try and make records at uh, a faster clip this time. Fantastic. Will you be touring the UK this time for any UK fans that want to see you? Hopefully, hopefully. We had to cancel one a few months ago due to just world situation. But uh, we are definitely going to get back there. We haven't we haven't played in the UK enough as far as I'm concerned. So uh, we'll be getting there. And what's the best place for people to find out about your tours and to get your new albums and information about the band? Safetydance.com. And uh, my personal Facebook page is a good place to, to go to. Ivan Doris, check it at, uh, on Facebook. But safetydance.com is the, is the easy one. That'll, that'll send you everywhere. Ivan, it's been wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's been brilliant. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.